the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How, how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. You're welcome along. Tuesday evenings off the ball. We're going to have some boxing on the show this evening. It seems all of a sudden Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury is happening. Plus, Chris Eubank Sr. threatening to pull his son out of the Conor Ben fight if he intends to go below 160 pounds in weight. And he is very serious about that point. So Gavin Casey from The 42 will talk to us about all of that. We will have our non-award winning slot, a slight tangent, making a non-triumphant return between eight and nine. And then football show Champions League at Anfield and beyond. Plus Tim Vickery talking South American football. Matt Slater will be as long uh, as well. He's written a very interesting piece about the transfer window on The Athletic. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Hello, Mick McCarthy. Hey, Joe. Uh, Richard McCormick, hello to you. Uh, not getting you there, Rich. Are you on mute? I'm not. Yeah, we had you. There you go. Hello. I'm still shook, Mick, by that kid there saying he's never going to wash his hands again after shaking King Charles's hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, one thing that we uh, we found out last night was that I presume it's a very clean hand that he is shaking. Impeccably so. You know, at least to start off with. Now, unfortunately, that kid might pick up more germs along the way over the rest of his life. Yeah. So that's a, that's a worry. Well, he seemed very yeah. serious about the undertaking. Never, I'm never going to wash my hand again. Yeah. How long did Bart Simpson last when he did it? Uh, Good was while. that a couple of days, I think? Good while. Yeah. Uh, Chris Eubank Sr. Yeah. Initially, I thought it was kind of uh, interesting. And then you read into it, he's deadly serious. Or, uh, look, there is always the chance this is generating hype for a fight. Who knows? But I, I think he is uh, serious about this. So Chris Eubank Jr., is fighting Conor Ben, son of Nigel. And uh, there's obviously heritage there, given their um, father's fights in the 90s. But it does seem this is a very worthwhile fight in and of itself. The issue is that Conor Ben, son of Nigel, is going to move up a division in weight. And Eubank Jr., who's fought at super middleweight, which is 168 pounds, may have to dry, drop all the way down to 157. So there was a Zoom call yesterday, or a Zoom press conference yesterday, and what Eubank uh, Senior said, and it's uh, kind of caught people a little bit unawares. So he said, this isn't happening at this weight. He said, my son's a warrior. He will fight anyone. But I told him, you cannot go beneath 160 pounds. And he's gone down to 157. It cannot happen. That is called suicide. I don't do that to my son. I'm not putting him in that field. I'm managing my son's career irrespective of what he has said, irrespective of what he has written down and signed. It can't happen. And Nigel Ben, who was on the call as well, turned to him and said, are you serious about this? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. And that's where we are as of uh, this evening. So uh, quite an interesting one. Like Boxing is uh, full of stories of crazy uh, pursuits to make weight. Mm. Well, that is, uh, it's funny. I think it's worthwhile boxing having a crisis of a fight not happening or something like that because somebody has to come to a crazy weight that isn't sustainable and they need to end that practice, I would say. I find this one a little bit strange. You know, he's obviously come... He's obviously... It was an agreed-upon catch weight. It's very late in the day to suddenly be saying, I'm not going to let him do it. It's also... I feel very sorry for Chris Eubank Jr. in here. So, obviously, his dad is his manager. That's Mm. fine. So, it's not just his dad coming out and saying that a 32, 33-year-old guy isn't allowed, you know, do something... 
Um, I know that the promoters are saying that like the, the contract is with Chris Jr. and not Chris Sr. This fight's going ahead. Shut up. You know, so it's all very complicated, I would say. I also wonder it's getting the publicity that it's, it's probably looking for. So we obviously have to keep that in mind. But I do think it opens up a good conversation about, mm. you know, crazy weight uh, making that they do in, in boxing, in UFC um, as well. You know what I mean? It, it, it can be really dangerous. And we've we've heard bits and pieces about it over the years. But, you know, this might get into it a little bit more. Obviously, Chris Eubank Sr. is talking about the fact that, like, the rehydration element you know isn't always sufficient and he risks you know very very serious issues there's issues there's there's studies to say that concussion can be a lot more serious and damaging when you've dropped a lot of weight okay again that's hydration yeah um that's an hydration issue you know well eubank jr as you said is 32 now yeah. said he hasn't fought at 157 or been at 157 since he was a teenager so he, yeah. even he conceded it's going to be painful to yeah, yeah, yeah. make that weight the only thing though is just it's so mad that his famous dad is making the decisions i remember casper schmeichel a good few years ago now like talking about doing an interview where he's like i'm so sick of people i'm a 30 something year old man yeah. with a wife and kids and I've like you know I've played in World Cups and European Championships I've won a Premier League and people keep talking to me about whether my dad what my dad thinks of my performances and stuff like that it's really bloody weird yeah. you know but at least Peter Schmeichel wasn't going out saying Casper Schmeichel is leaving Leicester and he's doing it tomorrow you know like that's like this is a step further even like. yeah I, well, I suppose then this is into the realms of um, basic psychology or whatever which is always um risky thing to do but the context for Chris Eubank well, I guess senior and junior but senior in particular is that his other son Sebastian died suddenly last year and he was talking about how I've already lost one son I'm not losing another one and you're kind of you know the news cycle is that you can forget that happened so Sebastian Eubank died uh, last year 29 years of age had a newborn child and uh, according to his wife he was watching the sunset in Dubai and uh, there was a pre-existing heart condition they knew nothing about and he had a sudden heart attack and died so I mean if you're Eubank senior to watch your other son go into a ring must be pretty it does change your perspective somewhat I would yeah, imagine I would yeah, so. Yeah. So. so we'll talk to Gavin Casey about all of that that's at half past seven a slight tangent is coming your way between eight and nine that's where myself and Mick and Arthur and a special guest this evening chat through some of the stories from the week we have an email address as well which is uh, very exciting so a slight tangent at offtheball.com have one or two emails to hit you with later oh. on after eight o'clock yeah Great. one of the one of the best questions we got in by email was what's the most common excuse people give you for not coming on the show <laughs> uh, how many of them that? are we allowed to talk about openly well, this indeed. this immediately tests the uh <laughs> tests how 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 open we're willing to be in this uh so-called free-form chat that we're bridges do we want to burn <laughs> yeah uh we should start the news round it is brought to you with Gillette labs for netflix finished your day uh champs league richie and football here at home as well yeah, Shamrock Rovers could see their lead at the top of the SSE Electricity Premier Division trimmed to a single point tonight. Derry City can turn the heat up on the hoops with victory at home to Sligo Rovers. Kickoff at the Ryan McBride Brandywell is at 7.45. They're into the final 25 minutes in Lisbon in Group D of the Champions League. It remains Sporting nil, Tottenham nil. The other game in that group starts at 8 at the Stade Velodrome with Marseille hosting Eintracht Frankfurt. Meanwhile, Liverpool legend Kenny Daglish has urged the club's fans to respect the moment's silence in honour of Queen Elizabeth tonight. Their Champions League Group A game with Ajax will be the Liverpool's 
will be Liverpool's first outing since the Monarch's death. Liverpool fans have frequently booed, of course, the playing of the British national anthem. More of that in a moment in recent years. Liverpool, meanwhile, make four changes to the side humiliated in Naples a week ago. Their team in full, starting with in goal, is Alisson. It's a 4-3-3, obviously enough, with a back four. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip, who's in for Joe Gomez, Virgil van Dijk and Costas Tsimikas, who replaces the injured Andy Robertson. In midfield, Fabinho and Harvey Elliott continue, while Thiago Alcantara comes in for James Milner. And in attack, Mo Salah and Luis Diaz are joined by Diogo Jota, who comes in mm. for Roberto Firmino. For Ajax, Remco Pazver starts in goal. Back four for them, also 4-4-3 of Divine Wrench. Urien Timber, Calvin Bassi and Dali Blint in midfield. And it's Edson Alvarez, Stephen Bergheis, Kenneth Taylor and a front three of Dusan Tadic, Mohamed Kudus and Stephen Bergvine. Kickoff there is at eight. There was also a 5-45 start in the Group C game in the Czech Republic, where it's Victoria Plisson nil, Inter one. Edin Dzeko with that goal on 20 minutes at 8 o'clock in that group a blockbuster meeting of Bayern Munich and Barcelona and in group B tonight Bayer Leverkusen host Atletico Madrid and Porto play Club Brucca and UEFA has dismissed requests from both Chelsea and Rangers to play the British national anthem after their minute silences tomorrow night however Mike Keegan of the Mail says that Rangers intend to defy UEFA and play it anyway (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh, of course they do you were homing at that Liverpool team? No, just three significant returns. If you think that Matt, Matt, Matip, Thiago and Jota are all back in. Like, funny, you know, it was... Uh, I suppose they didn't have their game in between Napoli and this, but uh, that that's a significant... That Liverpool team makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? And just feels a little bit like... A little bit more well-balanced, I suppose, straight away. Obviously, Robertson's out, but funny enough, Jimicus has been getting more time this year anyway. Uh, even before this injury. So mm. it suddenly just looks a lot stronger, that Liverpool team. Well, even after the Napoli defeat, Jurgen Klopp was interviewed afterwards and he said it was only when Thiago came on we had our first counter-press mm. of the game. So, I mean, that's not something you would necessarily associate Thiago with either and yeah. he'll give them control on the ball and everything else. Ajax are in very good form, which, you know, like a, a team in the habit of winning is, is, is doubly tricky. They've won seven in a row. They've conceded... I think five goals in their last seven games and scored twenty-five goals or so. So yeah. their team arrived Rangers last week, full of confidence, yeah. and yeah, hammered Rangers last week. Um, just one thing on on Liverpool, just briefly. I've just been thinking about it a lot. Um, you know, like Simic is obviously in now, having played a lot more than he usually does. And it was something that it's it's almost weird to credit Jurgen Klopp with something given the way the season has gone so far. But I've noticed that. He's using his full... I feel like Jurgen Klopp is the only one that's identified an opportunity in the extra substitutes. And he's saying, you know what? You'd never replace your fullbacks in the past, but actually we've got two extra subs. They're doing the most running. Let's do that. So I think he took off Trent in one of the games at least, and he's taken off Robertson a load of times. And it just feels like he's saying, right, we're actually going to have a strategy as to how we use these extra subs in a way that I don't think any other manager that I've seen anyway has done in any kind of a set format. Yeah. You know, because you would have never touched the back four unless you had to in the past, you know? Yeah. It's um, interesting in your story as well there, Rich, that uh, Kenny Dalglish, who I guess, you know, along with Klopp, would have the most sway with the fans, is uh, yeah. out today asking for uh, respect for the minute silence. We saw Niamh Fahey and Jordan Henderson, the Liverpool captains yesterday, uh, signing a book of condolences, and that was uh, much publicised. And we, Jurgen Klopp saying he has no doubts that the minute silence will be um, respected. I mean, I think most people have uh, some doubt and it does seem like uh, football is uh, braced for a bit of 
uh, self-flagellation if there's um, unseemly scenes and the Daily Mail rowing in to criticise <laughs> football as well. So it's it's uh, one of those, I, I suspect, slightly uh, tense moments for authorities at Anfield. Yeah, and I think the wording around the uh, formalities before the games has been kind of key. They've talked about uh, moment silences and a period of silence Um it's not going to be a minute. And I think even in Lisbon tonight, the referee there used his discretion to blow the whistle and get on with things when he sensed that there might be a little bit more of a, a disturbance in the crowd. Like there is, there's going to be somebody who's going to make a noise or going to make a boo or whatever. And I don't know. It's The UK seems to have lost all reason, uh, especially in the media over the past week. Um, it's like you see the stuff this evening about uh, you can't, criticize and obviously there's people been arrested and taken into police custody for criticism in public of the monarchy and then you see stuff like prince charles laying off a bunch of his staff uh during a church service for the queen so you wonder where like the level of acceptability for criticism comes and you know people if they don't agree with the minute silence and they don't agree with the monarchy are well within their rights to vocalize it i i think there's a sense that people are uh, elements of the media are laying in wait for a big incident and a big booing thing to just kind of get a load of stuff off their chest and work out a load of prejudices. And you only have to look at, I've seen people like journalists of colour over the past few few days saying their, their DMs on different social media platforms are an absolute mess because as soon as you poke your head above the parapet, you're getting shot down with the most vile and racist stuff. And people in the north of England and people in the northwest of England in particular, in particular, are going to be braced for that, I'd imagine, starting from tonight. Yeah. Barney Roney wrote a piece in The Guardian this morning basically kind of like defending Liverpool fans' right to express themselves in whatever way they do, obviously preempting something that might not even happen. But it's not just the media. Like, there's plenty of people there that were willing to just, like, jump on this. Oh, look, the media are making their excuses for already, you know, basically suggesting that if Liverpool fans do do this, of which, you know, let's face it, if they do, it'll be a very, very small percentage of the people who are at the game tonight, you know. Um, But people are ready to jump on it as a a real, real lightning rod issue. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it's not very, very hard to look back dispassionately and say that the problem is with them and not with what might or might not happen Mm. in Anfield. Yeah, so Sky Sports News had head of police, I think, on the uh, show this afternoon and the logic he was giving for uh, potential and prospective arrests was that somebody shouts something uh, against the monarch or against the queen during a moment's silence or even beyond a moment's silence if they feel and this is where the interpretation comes in which is (laughs) we're into this murky territory at the Mm -hmm. moment but if they feel what the protest has done is likely to prompt a, a reaction violent or otherwise from those around the person who screams something then that's why they're intervening almost they were arresting this person for his or her own safety mm. kind of a logic that's like so minority that's how, part type stuff that's how yeah well it. yeah I'm also I'm also glad they've clarified that because I, I'm really happy to know that because I was looking at it and just thinking you know all protest is banned and we live and it, they live in a uh, a fascist state that doesn't allow people to express themselves in any way but I'm really glad that it was cleared up because that would have been worrying if that was the case Yeah and look some people will say oh God, it still doesn't feel good it still doesn't feel right but I, I, I suppose what they might point to is say our Prince Andrew friend there were a couple of lads around him who were about to put push him certainly or accost yeah. him physically and so they're intervening to separate a potential Again who's the problem violence. there though Joe? <laughs> The people who start <laughs> violence or the people who express their uh, express their opinion in the world? Prince Andrew? 
But you know, it's, it's yeah, again, no, it, it goes yeah, to the yeah. earlier point about the, the booing and yes. about the people ready for it and, you know, chomping at the bit, waiting for Liverpool fans to do this thing so they can, you know, basically... I don't know. <laughs> no, I take your point. Start an insurrection. Take your point. The person yeah. initiating violence as opposed to the prote- yeah. protester. Yeah. I would I, say. I guess if there's one protester and... Many, many, many other people. Yeah, yeah there's probably a logic there of sorts. But um, yeah, interesting times. So that's Anfield. Uh, we have Ireland A in action. So mm. I presume we'll just beat the All Blacks again. Is that the deal? I think we, we just do it for routine now. We do it once every six months for the crack. Ireland A will face an All Blacks 15 at the RDS on Friday, November 4th. It was confirmed today. The game follows a three-match tour to South Africa for an emerging Ireland squad, which starts at the end of this month and overseen by Simon Easterby. Ireland head coach Andy Farrell says the All Blacks match will give another opportunity for some players to sample international rugby ahead of next year's World Cup. The Kerry captain then? Yeah, bad news for Joe O'Connor. He's going to miss the start of the inter-county season. It would seem the Austin Stacks midfielder suffered an ACL injury during his club's county championship meeting with Nigel on Friday night. O'Connor is facing around nine months on the sideline as a result, although no firm time frame has been put on that recovery. Now, this story in Galway is brewing and what it means for women's football and Jaron Kathleen McNamee uh, covered it this morning on OTBAM. Uh, Stephanie Roach was on the show, amongst other things. Yeah, Galway United uh, were last night said to be in talks about this and today they confirmed that they say they'll begin a dialogue with all stakeholders to retain a Galway presence in the Women's National League. At the weekend, Galway WFC announced they would not be able to field a senior team next season, citing the expenses involved in running such an operation. Today, Galway United's owners expressed their commitment to support the continuation of women's football at both senior and underage levels in the county. PMA striker Stephanie Roach, as you mentioned, joined this morning's OTB AM and said a semi-pro league seems to be on the horizon. I, I, I like to hope so. I, I, I like to hope so. I think the rumours I've heard, obviously nothing's been confirmed yet, but the rumours that I've heard is that a lot of the clubs, obviously we've seen the likes of Bose um, coming forward and, and Shell's kind of affiliating with the men's team a bit more. So it's it's definitely seems to be heading that way. And look, it's something that I've been calling for for the last few years. I think when you look at the players and the standard within the league, it's definitely capable of doing that. And going semi-pro will help improve. It will help improve performances. will give the girls in the league a better chance to be able to perform and and focus more on their football and stuff. So I think it's it's got to be the way forward, and hopefully it will. Yeah, because that that seems to have been the reason that the the um, on Go FM the chairperson was saying that's that was one of the reasons why they couldn't continue next year. Now, hopefully, it is a way of getting the Go United's ownership to go. Actually, you know, yeah, we should actually be a men's and women's club. It makes perfect sense. It's like doubling our audience all the games that we'll play the youth system and, and the rising tide lift all boats so fingers crossed because that, that seems to be the first time anybody's publicly said that's what's going to happen next year you're saying that it's long been rumoured so maybe that's the start of the official word leaking out Yeah hopefully as I said I think it's something that myself and a few other players in the league have been saying and look I know there's it's easy to say it but there's ways of how you, how you do it and how you make it happen and that's up to the people within the, that run the league but for me I think it's it's the way forward I think particularly when you see the women's Irish team doing so well you have the Euros on TV a lot of people are more interested in women's football so for me the, the only way forward is to go semi-professional so please God it happens and look we'll wait and see Stephanie Roach there that full interview available on all our social channels and you can download the OTB app it's free and in your app store and has everything we do uh, across the schedule so where are we going next Rich more football I think 
Yeah, just to mention, Inter have now gone 2-0 up, 0-8-2, Plizen, Plizen down to 10 men, and Denzel Dumfries has doubled the lead for the uh, Nerazzurri there. Still scoreless in Lisbon with 11 minutes to go, Sporting nil, Tottenham nil. Scotland captain Andy Robertson has been left out of their squad for this month's Nations League games with the Republic of Ireland and Ukraine. The fullbacks Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp revealed yesterday that Robertson suffered a knee injury in their defeat to Napoli. Scotland manager Steve Clark has recalled Arsenal's Kieran Tierney and Newcastle winger Ryan Fraser for those games. Okay, bit of GEA then. Yeah, ratification season still very much underway, and Willie Marr is the man entrusted with leading Leash back into the Leinster Hurling Championship. The Tip Native was ratified as Cheddar Plunkett's successor last night. Marr previously worked under Derek McGrath with Waterford, and he won back-to-back Dublin titles with Kula after succeeding Matty Kenny at the club. Waterford legend Dan Shanahan is believed to be part of Marr's backroom team. And then uh, quite an interesting one, Declan Darcy has uh, pitched up at Leinster Rugby. Yeah, this had been mooted uh, all through the summer and Leinster head coach Leo Cullen says Darcy's experience with Dublin and their coaching staff will be an immense help to the province. Darcy has been confirmed as Leinster's new performance coach. Leinster also added senior performance nutritionist Owen Hickey to their incoming band of staff members, among them, of course, Sean O'Brien. And Cullen says Darcy brings plenty to the table. Well, Declan, yeah, he did a little bit of work with our leaders last year, so it's just evolving really the next phase of that piece. Um but in terms of I think he'll you know because he'll be more involved here with us this year we sort of dipped our toe in the water a little bit last year so um, yeah Declan as you rightly point out a huge amount of experience with a very very successful team Um, and that that I guess that succession piece over time, that continued success, there's very few teams have actually mastered that um, and that group were very, very successful. So um, he's a wealth of experience deck. Um, and as, as I said, like so, some of the work I'll do with the individuals, you know, so that observation, so, you know, coaches are very much in the moment, but it's like, it's who's taking that 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 view from, from the sidelines. Um, and Deck has a huge amount of experience as we touched on, so um, I think he's a really, really important addition for us. There we go. Uh, Packy Collins in touch on Twitter, and he's definitely skeptical skeptical about uh, Chris Eubank Senior here. Mind games from Chris Senior. If there's one thing he learned from the Celtic Warrior, it's mind games at off the ball. So uh, yeah, we we sort of wondered that ourselves. I mean, I, I we were chatting earlier, and I, I did say, is this real or is this like when Tyson Fury announces retirement? Yeah. I definitely well so Tyson Fury retirement is on the far end of the scale of definitely bullshit yeah <laughs> and then everything after Cheater, that Tyson Fury's scale. retired <laughs> <laughs> so I think what you said earlier is certainly true I think that there's a probably a change perspective in the Eubank family and seeing things that might have concerned you in the past are now probably red line issues but at the same time, does that mean that something isn't going to be sorted out for this? Uh, yeah. I don't think so. I think this fight is going to go ahead and it might even go ahead at 157 and, you know, ultimately they'll all realise that they're able to do it and it's fine. Hmm. But uh, I would imagine, I wouldn't say it's like pure publicity stunt Yeah, that like Chris is kind of out there saying, oh, this will get a bit of uh, attention for the fight. Yeah. I don't know, though. <laughs> I have no way of knowing. As we do a piece tonight on Off the Ball about the fight we would never have done otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Gav Casey's with us very shortly, so we'll get his thoughts on it. Uh, Paul says, I really don't want to belittle the Queen dying and what it means to people, but you have to think 
it was just a kickstart of a culture war over there that's been waiting to happen for a few years now and football's been dragged into it but there are also issues between football fans in this regard for example many Chelsea fans have it in for Liverpool fans before this even happens says Paul yeah I'm sure like within football it'll take on its own characteristics Mm. between fans as for the wider culture war yeah for sure like that applies um, both in England and beyond like the the general sense reading pieces and listening to various uh, contributors on the Commonwealth or on certainly in Australia and New Zealand is that as the Queen I think in this century just kind of reached iconic status by dint of her longevity Mm -hmm. that in Australia New Zealand these kind of countries the whole debate was put to bed and now it's going to reopen in a big way over the next couple of months and and years yeah. and then within England to be fair it's a deeper debate there really because you know it's not just what the monarchy represents to the world it's also it's really an, in, in amongst other things like a kind of a representation and a copper fastening of the social class as in the royals and all the families around the royals mm-hmm. we're on top and you lot are on the bottom and that's what this is as much as several other things. Yeah, but you see, the issue with a culture war then is that if that was all it was, then it would be easily cast aside, you would say. But what happens is when you bring a culture war into it and you pit, instead of pitting uh, aristocracy against football fans, for example, you pit Chelsea fans against Liverpool fans. And I'm 100% aware that I'm being wide-ranging, stereotypical here. I'm just giving an example as opposed to saying that all Chelsea fans are all Liverpool fans are a certain way. But what happens then is that makes it a lot more complicated and you bring in other things to it. And as you said, like that that culture war is there in the UK for sure, as the texter said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is escalated in a way that, you know, there's a lot, it's happening in America as well, where there's a, a kind of a sense of like, we now have that platform, I suppose, to... Um, I don't know, kind of have a have a sort of a our way or the highway sort of attitude in certain ways, you know. So I don't know. It's not the easiest thing to talk about, um, but it has been quite worrying, I think, the what what has been on display in the last week. With the clampdown on any anti- The clampdown on I and I just think the rhetoric also. Like so there's mm. there there is the clampdown is, is is absolutely bamboozling and really, really like worrying. But then there's also just like people's attitude I think is the how tolerant they are of other people's opinions. Mm. I feel like the Queen dying has let people off the leash in a certain way as to at least pretend uh, as to even hiding their intolerance in that regard. We've talked about the Queen way more than uh, we have. Sorry. Yeah, should over the last it, it, look, it's a it's a very, hours. very interesting yeah, uh, sure. social thing that does bring in sport into it. But yeah, you're probably right. Maybe we should draw a line under Queen talk, at least until eight o'clock when we hear what happens at Anfield. Yeah, you go out and keep an eye on Anfield. I'll talk boxing with Gav and Richie. You put those feet up. Thanks, Emil. They're already up, Joe. Don't worry about <laughs> well, that. Well, indeed, indeed. So yeah. Richie McCormick McCarthy, thank you.